0: You're listening to BeckQL Daily, presented by FanDuel Sportsbook with Joe Ostrowski, Joe Gillio, and Aaron Hawksworth from BeckQL.
1: Welcome back, BeckQl Daily, presented as always by FanDuel Sportsbook Joe O. Joe G, Aaron Hawksworth with you on a Monday morning, a big Monday here. Black Monday in the NFL. Firings and surprises everywhere right now. And of course the NFL playoffs start this week with super wildcard weekend across the NFL. Joining us right now to talk about talk about it all is on the Roman guest line is Odyssey NFL insider Michael Lombardi. You can also hear Michael on GM Shuffle, his weekly podcast available on the Odyssey app. Mike, let's start with the news this morning. coaches out, GM's out, Zimmer and Spielman in Minnesota, Nagy and Pace in Chicago, and, and the big surprise of the morning, Brian Flores down in Miami. Uh, which of, of the three of them, which one hit you the most, what surprised you the most? Give us some reaction to what's going on this morning here, Mike.
2: Well, I never saw a coach who went 8-1, and one. Uh, during the last nine games of the year, beat Belichick twice, opening game last game, uh, get fired. I mean, you know, it's just kind of surprising. But I think ultimately this is really about NFL politics that happen at the highest level that the fans really don't see. You know, Brian is a demanding coach. He probably was hard on a lot of people in the organization trying to create a, a standard of excellence. And, you know, that probably became very resentful. You can just read the statement by Stephen Ross about, his functioning of the organization. But the reality here is simple. They chose Tua over Herbert. And I don't think we'd be having this conversation if they took Herbert. Because Tua, for all his people out there that claim he's a legitimate NFL starter, have never really watched him or understand what it takes to play in the National Football League. Because you you can't run that offense that Miami was running and expect to win. And the fact that Flores won nine games with a quarterback like yesterday, who threw for barely over 100 yards and literally, literally threw three interceptions that the Patriots dropped, it is somewhat mind-boggling.
0: Michael, George McCaskey made the big move, cleaning house. It's not only Matt Nagy, it's also Ryan Pace. So the word is, as you know, that they're going to they're gonna hire someone. They're going to create the football ops position. So three massive hires coming back. What's your reaction to what George McCaskey did?
2: Well, is the football ops gonna be different than the general manager? Is that why it's three people?
0: That's yeah, that's that's the idea. That's what they've thought. That's that's the rumor that's been going around in Chicago the last few weeks. I mean, that
2: doesn't make a lot of sense to me because I think, you know, you you need a GM who's gonna run the personnel and then he needs to be attached at the hip with the coach who's gonna run the football team and develop the players. So I do think this is the right step in the direction for the Bears. I mean, look, Ryan Pace has has been able to overcome the biggest blunder that you can make in sports, which is drafting the wrong quarterback. You know, and, and I say this sympathetically to Pace because it's a challenge, right? But, you know, when you when you trade up to get Trubisky and he doesn't work out, I think you know what your fate's going to be like. And Nagy was, to me, Nagy, to me, was a, a play caller that became a head coach that even though he had three games over 500 for a record, he lost two playoff games. His team never developed the toughness they never developed a characteristic, and the fact that Pace never drafted offensive linemen in the first four rounds until Jenkins last year is also attributed to that. But I think ultimately the failures of the Bears' offense to be physically tough and handle the environment that they played in, to me, was his downfall.
1: Mike, uh, when you look for Mike, when you look forward here with Minnesota and what they did. Zimmer and Spielman out. That was an interesting one because it felt like that whole thing was going in the wrong direction, but there was some success there. I mean, Zimmer had won a lot of football games, took him to a title game once. Is, is that just a matter of they ran its course?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, organizations tend to get tired. Players hear the same message. They tend to tune out. I think Zimmer's a really good coach, you know, and I, and I think that, that there are some tough situations to go after the quarterback and pay all that money for him had limited some of the things he had to do. And certainly uh, that became a a factor. And I think this is, you know, it's tough to hire a coach and not hire the GM. I'm kind of relieved that, you know, people need to work together in organizations. And if you're going to fire the coach, you know, and you're keeping the general manager, that, that becomes a little bit problematic. So I do think it's probably one fell swoop. The old days, you know the GM never got fired. Then it started getting fired. I think there's a unification that needs to occur at that level.
0: Uh, we we might have more, but if you're a top head coach and you're 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 hearing from multiple teams here, and at the moment, Chicago, Miami, Minnesota, Denver, Jacksonville, uh, what what's the best situation when you when you take everything into account?
2: Well, I mean, that, I think the best situation is always going to come down to ownership, right? I mean, can you install your culture? Can you be the coach you need to be? And what partnership are you going to have? You know, at Jacksonville, you've got a really good young quarterback who didn't play very well this year. But, are you, but Trent Baalke going to run the team. Do you want to go work for Trent Baalke? I mean, Baalke has been a part of four different firings as head coaches. Harbaugh, Jim Tomasula, Chip Kelly. And then last year, and then last year with with Doug Marone. So, I mean, that's a little bit scary, right? That's a little scary. So you want to be able to go in where you have a great partnership. And I think George Payton in Denver probably offers a really good opportunity for that.
0: What's your assessment of the job Basaccia has done with the Raiders, and what do you think they'll end up doing?
2: Uh you know, I think they'll go out and hire somebody. I really do. I think you've got to give Rich a lot of credit to win 10 games. I mean, they're 4-0 in overtime. I mean, their margin of error is so small. It's so small. I mean, last night, you know, was a game. They you Give them credit. They did not make a mistake in the game. You know, the Chargers had 10 penalties. The Chargers turned the ball over. You know, the Chargers went for it on, on fourth down at their own 18-yard line, which is a criminal offense you know, and gave them a three free points, which ultimately cost them the game. So, you know, give them credit. They stayed the course. They won two games. I mean, they, they haven't really been great offensively. Only two times in the last nine games have they scored over 30 points. The Dallas game, which was filtered with pass interference calls, and this game, which was filtered with a couple pass interference calls that they were the beneficiaries of. So, you know, I think he's done a good job. I just think to me, you know, being a full-time head coach, that's going to be more of a challenge for Rich. He would have to really change the staff. I think the Raiders will look outside.
1: Mike, let's get your thoughts here on the wildcard weekend games. We'll start with the Raiders because we're on them right now. The Raiders are in Cincinnati. First game of the weekend, Saturday, 430. They're six-point underdogs right now at FanDuel Sportsbook. What do you make of this matchup? We saw this in late November. I believe it was a one-point spread that day. The game was in Las Vegas. Obviously, Joe Burrows kind of emerged since then. He's had an incredible final month of the season. Where, where do you lean in this game? What do you thought? What's your thoughts on this matchup here? Raiders at Bengals.
2: Well, I, I think the Bengals get a distinct advantage. For you know, it's going to be probably in the low 30s. This weather game, you know, it, it'll be a challenge. It, it, it won't be inside the confines of a wonderful stadium. And look, they moved the ball effortlessly and scored 32 points on the Raiders. You know, they didn't really, they didn't really, they ran the ball for 159 yards in that game. They didn't throw it as much. You know, but they were good on defense. They forced two turnovers, and they came away with a convincing win. I think this is a hard game for the Raiders because of the fact that they're going to have to deal with the weather, catching cold balls. I mean, we could talk about it. These are NFL players, but it's a different game when you go outside. And I do think if this game gets in the 20s, it's going to be hard for the Raiders because other than, as I mentioned, the Cowboy game that they won and then this last week with the Chargers, I mean, they went inside in the Dome and the Colts and scored 23. And they were fortunate. But remember when they played back in Cleveland on that Monday night game against Nick Mullen, they scored 17 points. I mean, they scored 16 points. I mean, And that was a late field goal at the end of the game. So I think this is going to be a real challenge. I think 6.5 as it opened right now is pretty high. I suspect it's going to come down a little bit. I think it opened at 6. It went right to 6.5. I think it'll come down a little bit.
0: Michael, the lowest total is on Saturday night of Wild Card Weekend. Patriots Bills. They made it Buffalo minus four and a half. The totals forty three and a half. Uh, playing for the third time.
2: Yeah, and I, and I'm seeing some on my board here that I look at it. It's four. It, it's already gone up to four and a half. You know, the one thing I think we as betters and and representing and giving information out to people that do bet today is a day that you know most people that have algorithms and they bet the number. They don't bet the team. They bet the number. And a lot of people have come in. Uh, And 94% of the money that I've seen is on Buffalo right now with that four. So that line shot right up to four and a half. You know, whereas the Vegas game, it's fairly split. Philadelphia is getting a ton of action against Tampa with that number there. I think we'll see that number start to come down. The key here is, uh, the key here is, as bettors, is if you're going to wait till Saturday or Sunday to make the play, is try to figure out where the money's going and how it's going to even out. For example, Dallas is not getting much action at all. Everybody's betting San Francisco. That line will start to shrink. No one's betting Pittsburgh. That line will go up, and I think you're getting even money on that. But to me, the New England game, I think it'll end up going 4.5, and and it could get to 5 before it starts coming back down.
0: I heard you call Carson Wentz Ricky Fowler earlier. I was dying laughing. But seriously, it's interesting that the Eagles get rid of Carson Wentz. They're in the playoffs. What do you think about this Eagles-Bucks matchup?
2: I've been calling him Ricky Fowler now for about three months on my podcast. I mean, look, you know, let's just take Ricky Fowler's wonderful, you know, when he's out of the tournament. If he's out of the Masters by about eight, nine shots on Sunday, he'll shoot 66, right? But if he's within one shot, he's going to shoot a 76. I mean, let's just face it, right? You know, and he'll be the first guy to congratulate the golfers off the course. He's a wonderful human being. There's no denying that, right? But when the pressure mounts, he doesn't respond. And that's my analogy with – with uh with Carson Wentz you know they need him to play good he gets COVID he plays terribly against the Raiders I mean just horrendously against the Raiders the one touchdown pass he throws is really an interception he throws it into three people and and, and luckily his team comes down with it meanwhile you know he misses a wide open T.Y. Hilton and yesterday was just inexcusable to go down there and to lay a giant egg to not really be able to be protect the football to do dumb things with the with the football in the pocket It's just really hard. I've said this all year. I'm not a fan of the, the Colts' defense. I think they're too generic. They're too vanilla. I know Iberflus is up for every single head coaching job as if he were Paul Brown. But the reality of it is I don't think they're well coached on defense. And I think they have real problems. And Jacksonville, which is no good, exploited those problems.
1: Mike, what do you make of the matchup? Eagles at the Bucks. Eagles without Wentz make the playoffs eight and a half. You mentioned the number. It is a big number. Second biggest number of the weekend. We saw these teams in early October. The Bucks were up a lot. Eagles came back and covered late, but it really wasn't a close game. Obviously, it's a a different Eagles offense now than it was then. What do you think of this matchup Sunday at one o'clock?
2: Uh, you know, I think. Look, I, I think this matchup is all about health. If you want to bet this game, really pay close attention to the Bucks' health. I don't know who's going to play. Are they going to have Barrett? Are they going to have? Are they going to have Jason Pierre-Paul? Because it's going to be hard for them. Typically, we always say, "Well, the Bucks play great run defense." That has not been the case. They have not been a great run defense uh, this over the past month because of all these injuries. And I think this is a challenging game for the Bucks because they're going to face an offense much like playing Army in college football. You're just not used to it, right? Now, the Bucks have experience playing against it. You know, they have played it. They have faced it earlier in the season. and they were. But the Eagles were a different team then, and they're a way different team now. So I think this is going to be a really hard challenge. I think I would really wait on this game before I got involved with it because I would want to make sure that if I liked the side, I'd have to check out the – I would really want to check out the, the injury report. But, look, the last time they played – the the, the the Eagles did not move the football. They didn't really run it as much as they did. They actually tried to throw it. They only gained 213 yards. But I would really wait until I saw what the injury report was.
0: Yeah, Michael, it's going to be interesting with that, that Chiefs number you mentioned to see if that gets to 14. They just played a few weeks ago, and it was a 26-point game, and Kansas City didn't even have Kelsey. Can, can you make a case for Pittsburgh to, to keep it within two scores?
2: I can't. I can't. I mean, I really can't. I love Ben Roethlisberger. He belongs in the Hall of Fame, but I don't know if I could watch another week of his offense. I really don't.
0: <laughs> I, I really
2: don't. I mean, I, I love him to death, but let's be, I'm a football fan. I mean, that was painful, right? I mean, how many more checkdowns can you, you know, I mean, it's hard. And and I wish that Stanley would have let the clock run completely out and both the Chargers and we could have watched Justin Herbert and the Raiders would have made the playoffs. I I, I mean, look. I think Mike Tomlin should get coach of the year for achieving nine wins with this team. I mean, think about it. He's 9-7-1 and with this team. I mean, this offense is as bad as it gets. They don't block very well. You know, they can't really throw it up the field. They got to play nip and tuck all the time. And Ben doesn't really warm up until the fourth quarter. I, I-, I mean, look, yeah. they can't. They, don't, they used to create turnovers, but I don't think they can do that. This is going to be a really hard game for them. If this game gets into the 20s at all, how does Pittsburgh score 20 points? I mean, how do they do it? I mean, they'll play hard. They'll play fat. They'll do everything in their power to compete. But they're just, to me, I, I mean, my, my respect for Mike Tomlin is through the roof.
0: I know it's hard to bet this early with everything we have going on with um, injuries and COVID. But is there a matchup out of these wildcard games that you like the most?
2: I mean, I love the rematch. I love the thriller in Manila. Up in up in Buffalo, right? This is round three of a great championship fight, right? You know, and and the adjustments that Buffalo made from week one, from game one to game two. Belichick now gets an opportunity to go from week two to week game three game two to game three. You know, weather's going to be a factor. I mean, I've already checked. It's going to be 18 degrees and snow. Shocking in Buffalo on Saturday night. You know, wind is going to be yeah. coming. And that field, what people don't realize is that field, the wind comes in all different directions. So forget, the, forget saying it's north by northwest wind. It's, it's all over the place wind. So for me, I think that's going to be a really great, great game Saturday night. I, I think Josh Allen's going to run the football. He's going to try to carry him. I think they're going to take the same game plan that we saw Miami use, which is throw a lot of check downs, which they did, actually. Miami stole it from them, which is forced these big linebackers of New England to try to cover in space and and handle that, which they didn't do a good job of yesterday. So,
1: That was Odyssey NFL insider Michael Lombardi on the Roman guest line. Let's dive into the NFC playoffs next, right here on Back All Daily.